help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed, ready to talk about the 1-0 Las Vegas Raiders. Three-way tie for first place in the AFC West. Steven Goskowski tried to do everything he could to make a four-way tie at 1-0, but uh, the Broncos did lose on Monday night. But before we get into, you know, the Vegas opener, the first ever game at Legion Stadium, anything jump out? to you guys from week one uh, whether it was kind of reviewing what happened in the Raiders win over Carolina or just kind of looking around the league anything jump out majorly to you guys uh, out of week one I'd say there were a lot of points I think uh, you know obviously the offenses are ahead of the defenses right now which um, so I think you look at the Raiders and obviously didn't have uh, any preseason games a lot of young players in secondary so I think the hope is that guys get better as the uh, as the year goes along yeah, I mean, just looking back at some of the play designs, just really good game plan by John Gruden, drew up some really nice plays, uses a surprising amount of run-pass options in week one. That big play to Ruggs was just a really cleverly designed play where they motioned Ruggs from one side to the other to a slot so they couldn't bump him, and they matched him up with a safety, and they just ran him across the field and hit that 44-yard pass. So just a good job by Gruden and Carr executing the game plan. I think the lack of a pass rush was probably the main thing that stood out to me, particularly, you know, as we said after the game going up against that Panthers offensive line that is all right, but it's just not great. It doesn't bode well for some of these offenses that they're facing coming up, starting with the Saints on Monday. Just think that if they can't get home, especially with this young secondary and, and also if there's any significant injury with Nick Kwiatkowski, I think their defense is going to be in trouble here coming up soon. Well, the Raiders, as we Obviously, all know that they will play on Monday night, so uh, that means they'll officially start their practice preparations on Thursday. You guys talked to Gruden on Monday, um, and no medical updates exactly then, but I think the optimism in terms of Trent Brown and Nick Kwiatkowski is is a little bit higher today uh, than it was on Sunday night after the game, especially with Kwiatkowski. I mean, again, no no official updates, but uh, there was a report that uh, the pectoral is not torn, um, which probably would have been a season-ending injury at this point I mean they haven't started practicing so they don't really need to make a move but he's yet to be placed on injured reserve and with injured reserve only being three weeks this year it's really something that's going to be used quite a bit so the fact that he's at least not yet on IR would seem to bode well for the Raiders linebacker yeah I agree and then with Trent Brown is you know there's still hope he can play on Monday if not we haven't heard about Sam Young either who had the groin injury so I think you know ideally one of those two guys is back 
I do think it's kind of interesting how we all, you know, showered Denzel good with praise. Obviously came in, you know, a guard, not having practice at right tackle and played well. But what does that say about Brandon Parker? Brandon Parker was a guy who's the – he is a backup tackle, and he kind of got passed over. So, to me, that was also kind of a, a funny note to uh, what happened on Sunday. Well, I mean, that's kind of game day roster construction, though, right? I mean, he, Good's active because he's your backup guard. Young was active as your backup tackle, and, and I – you know, didn't really have a you know a third active backup tackle with him being on the inactive list. So I mean, I would imagine if he had been active, that he probably would have stepped in. Don't you think? Yeah, that's a good point. I think they probably knew that Brown had you know a calf injury. So you know, it, it's interesting that they didn't have a, a third string tackle, knowing that Brown did have some concern coming into the game. Probably figured that Sam Young would make it more than twelve plays before uh, he got knocked out himself. But I mean. Losing two right tackles in the season opener is a good omen for Raiders football. The last time that happened, 2016, the opener in New Orleans, Donald Penn finished the game playing right tackle, and uh, Raiders obviously won a thriller, and that game went to the playoffs. So good omen, right? Losing two right tackles <laughs> in the first game. Yeah, for sure. I never thought about that. So that's actually that's an excellent point. Now they're playing New Orleans again. That was a big win from the 2016. So Derek Carr today mentioned he's the same kind of feeling on, on this team as he did back then. There's some confidence they can have a chance to win this game and kind of uh, take off on a, on a really good season. That's true. They lost two right tackles, and they won a shootout on the road. So what happened in week two in 2016? They got their ass kicked by the Falcons. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> and the Falcons went on to make the Super Bowl that year, and Matt Ryan was the MVP. So does that bode well for the Saints? Yeah, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the Saints matchup. I mean, Tashawn, this is a, you know, Drew Brees. I mean, he's one of the all-time best. Week one, 160 yards passing. Uh, the Saints didn't move the ball. 34 points, but, you know, a pick six of Brady. I mean, they scored a lot of points, but it wasn't a typical Saints offensive performance. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the big news is, you know, them losing Michael Thomas for at least a I believe the report was several weeks. It's a pretty big hit. Now they have added Emmanuel Sanders this year. Um, he's not Michael Thomas, of course. Alvin Kamara, uh, I know he scored a couple of touchdowns, but it was a little bit concerning to, to see him take so few carries in that game. And like you said, they put up a bunch of points, but the offense didn't look that great. But I don't think they necessarily have to. I, mean, I think their defense is probably one of the best in the league. I mean, we saw how much they frustrated Tom Brady and, and that Bucks offense, which is expected to be pretty high powered this year. And so I don't think Drew or the Saints offense in general need to put up even 34 points coming on Monday to win this game. And there's some old friends in that uh, Saints offense. Latavius Murray's in that running back committee. I think he had 48 yards last week. And then uh, Jared Cook, who made the Pro Bowl with the Raiders in 2018. I think he had 80 yards last week and five catches. So definitely guys the Raiders are familiar with who kind of, I'm sure, want to have a good day to kind of tweak the Raiders a little bit before letting them go. Yeah, I mean, that was the Saints' leading rusher and leading receiver right there, uh, Jared Cook and Latavius Murray. Murray had more carries than Kamara, 15 to 12. I was pretty shocked at how bad Drew Brees looked like he looked like he was struggling to get the ball downfield and out to the sideline so that you know typically Brees starts looking like this towards the end of the season but this is the beginning of the season and you know he doesn't look like he put some zip on the ball so that's uh I kind of thought this could be a potential for a blowout before the game but after watching the Saints offense I think that the Raiders have a chance in this game I mean, the man is 41 years old. Uh, all of us uh, eventually start succumbing to father time. I mean, it, it was interesting when I was kind of following that game on Sunday that I looked up and, you know, 
third quarter, I think it was. Neither quarterback had even topped 100 yards. Um, I don't think Breeze got over 100 yards until the fourth quarter. We talk about the loss of Michael Thomas, 149 catches last year, basically you know, racking up 10 catches a game almost. He didn't get hurt until right at the end, like third to last play. You know, so before that, he had only been targeted five times, only had three catches for 17 yards, which is just kind of shocking numbers to see out of Thomas. Sanders, five targets, three catches, 15 yards. Really, it was it was all kind of Jared Cook with the 80 yards and then Kamara running the ball, only 12 carries, 16 yards. He was really fresh off that contract extension. He didn't do a whole lot in the running game. Um, it was weird to see that offense be stymied so much. And without Thomas, the Raiders could really focus in on trying to take away Jared Cook. And I think Littleton is going to negate some of Camara's ability in the passing game. An interesting matchup will be Emmanuel Sanders against uh, Trayvon Mullen because in week one of last year, Trayvon Mullen got forced into the lineup after Garen Conley got hurt. And he got, really got burned by Emmanuel Sanders when he was on the Broncos. So we'll see how much Mullen has improved in his second matchup with Sanders. Yeah, that's a good point. I totally forgot about uh, that they went up against Sanders last year. I mean, uh, that was a little bit of a rude awakening for him as a rookie. To his credit, he he did get better as the season went along. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it would just be interesting to see. It's kind of a measuring stick for for him to see how much he improved his game. For the Raiders offense, you know, going up against that Saints defense, obviously we discussed them. It's a group that kind of has slowly and steadily just gotten better. I mean, it does look like a group that we go into this game almost – it's strange to say more worried about the Saints defense than their offense. I know that the Raiders offense had a really strong showing week one, you know, putting up 34 points, but that Panthers defense was pretty awful last year. Really young this year, even though they added some new pieces, you know, you expected so much from them. And so I think it's definitely something that you can't necessarily expect for the offense to perform the same way week to week, just inherently just because they had a good week last week is a pretty significant jump up. I mean, you, you talk about the quality of the defense that they're facing. I think there'll be a little bit more pressure on Derek Carr to, to stretch the field a little bit more vertically like he did in the first half last week and, um, you know, sort of make it a little bit easier for, for Jacob Sasson's success coming out of the backfield. Because I know while, while Carr didn't make any mistakes last year and his, you know, average you know yards per completion was, per attempt was pretty good, uh, I don't think his totals were all that great. And so I think it's going to take a, a bigger effort from him to uh, really rack up the points against the Saints defense. I don't think it can all be you know, funneled through Jacobs as much as it was against the Panthers. There's another old friend on that defense, uh, Derek's first head coach with the Raiders, uh, Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator. He's had some nice success the last couple of years. So I think um, I'm sure he wants to show the Raiders that they made a mistake. So a lot of guys are some. <laughs> Do you really some, think they did? Ah, I'm saying he wants to say. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. They did. I, don't I'm saying think, I don't even think he thinks that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he must. I mean, he must have some pride. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he's, he's got a little. Uh, Something to prove, and he knows Derek pretty well, so who knows? But it uh, should be a fun game to watch the, uh, the X's and O's and the matchups. Yeah, I don't think the uh, they're going to be able to run the ball like they did against the Panthers, against the Saints, who have a pretty tough run defense. Uh, I was surprised, looking back at the stats last year, how good they actually were last season, and they're returning a bunch of starters as well. And they're a heavy man-to-man team, so I, I could really see, I think Ruggs has to get maybe one or two deep passes in this game. But I, I think Darren Waller is going to be featured heavily in this game. I just don't think they have anybody that could guard him man-to-man. And I hope to see Josh Jacobs continue to be involved in the passing game, too. I think he could cause some matchup problems for their linebackers. 
I think it was Mike Triplett, the ESPN Saints writer, who said today that he put out there that the Saints have gone 44 straight games without giving up a 100-yard rusher. So that's pretty impressive. I know Josh was asked about today. Josh Jacobs said he's aware of it. Definitely it's in the back of his mind. He wants to be the guy who breaks that streak. So definitely be a tough, tough task. You know, in terms of keeping Jacobs involved in the passing game, I mean, he's talked so much about how that's where his focus was. I mean, that's, I mean, obviously he's working on what he's got to do running the ball, but it's it, interesting to hear him say that that's the, where he spent the most time this offseason was working on on being involved in that passing game. Um, I mean, it, we saw it work well in week one, and, uh, I mean, it sounds like he's confident that that can continue. Yeah, when he said 60 catches, I guess he knew what he was talking about. He had uh, four and six targets on Sunday and looked looked great. Definitely, if you're John Gruden, you want to do more of that. I mean, that's how good it looked as far as the way he was, you know, to, to move in the open field and, and make guys miss. So I definitely don't see any reason why at this point you can't get a 60. Uh, well, it is the first game in Vegas, and I mean, obviously, there is still excitement about it because, I mean, they're going to debut that brand new stadium, Monday Night Football. The excitement's certainly muted. There's not going to be fans in there, and if he sticks to his word, uh, Mark Davis, Vic, is, is Mark Davis still holding out he's not going to be there? I believe so. I haven't talked to him this week, but that was a plan. I talked to him last week, and that's definitely still the plan. I think um, one cool thing is I saw some people and some fans on Twitter, you know, our friend Rod Burpa, who we tailgated with, um, some fans are going to try and meet the uh, the team buses that they go into the, to the stadium at the, at the, at the uh, bus entrance at the stadium. So definitely some fan support there uh, on the outside of the stadium. Deshaun, what is kind of the feel there in Vegas right now? I mean, obviously, if, they, if everyone was getting ready to actually pour into the stadium, it'd be a little more exciting. But do you get a sense that people are fired up for uh, the first game in that city? Yeah, I think something that might help them out. I mean, the fans aren't happy about it, but with the Golden Knights getting eliminated from the NHL playoffs, they don't really have anything else to focus on. Here oh, right so you're now, saying so. it's a good thing that the other team in town got got knocked out? Come on, man! <laughs> no, 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 it. Vegas pride. Yeah, that's uh. and I'm not repping Vegas, but uh, he's a. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the, the, the Vegas sweat. The, the nah. fans. You say the fans are happy now that. Uh, I'm from St. Louis, man. I got to ride with my blues. Fans can root for more than one team at once. They don't. They can focus on uh, on the Stanley Cup run and uh, a football game. Yeah, but like when you're the new guys in town, you need all the attention you can get. So I'm just saying, they, it cleared it out for them. You know, they got a they got an isolation. All they got to do is go execute against the Saints. Especially if they come out with a big win on Monday night, I think that could really get people more locked into the season. I think with them starting on the road, um, there hasn't been as much buzz, but I think. Particularly, you know, them opening the stadium, Monday Night Football, prime time against a really good team. I think they'll have the city's attention. Yeah, I mean, especially after Sunday night, all the uh, all the attention going on to the SoFi Stadium in L.A. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I haven't set foot in either stadium, you know, just looking at, at pictures and, and videos. I mean, obviously, there's more people that are roaming around L.A. And, and looking at the stadium. It was on Hard Knocks and everything. But, I mean, just from the, the videos and shots that I've seen from you guys and whatnot, I mean, Allegiant Stadium is is. I don't think I don't think it's second to the SoFi. I mean, those those are both look like pretty cool facilities. And honestly, I mean, Allegiant Stadium kind of seems a little more unique to me, just kind of with a the, the dark black look to it. Everything looks better in black, and they got tinted windows too. I mean, it it just looks better in my opinion. I think the outside on Allegiant looks better, but like looking at the pictures, I don't know. I think SoFi might. I mean, we'll see later this season if I end up going to that game. I'll have a better judgment. So. After they play the Chargers, I can give the the stadium wars a go. Yeah, it's got what a translucent roof. That's that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, you're kind of inside, but you you're kind of outside. They say you can get a sunburn in there if you're if, uh, if you're sitting there in the day. So I don't know. I mean, it's cool that we've got two new 
brand new stadiums on the West Coast that are going to be hosting Super Bowls and, and whatnot for, uh, for years to come. This is The Athletic's Shiel Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, guys. Well, we are actually loaded up with a bunch of questions here. Um, you know, put it out on uh, on our real time tab on the Athletic app. Uh, we told you guys last week, check it out. And uh, we've got a lot of questions here from subscribers that we're going to go through. Uh, we'll start with this one from Jaden D. Do you guys think Eric Harris's starting job is safe, or do you think it will be week to week? I mean, people are already wanting to take the starting job away from a guy that they put a captaincy on. Uh, I don't, I don't really see that happening all, all that quickly. No, I don't I don't see his job being in jeopardy, especially because they don't really have a I wouldn't say a true free safety on the roster. I mean, I think Jeff Heath is more of a strong safety and I don't know how, how much better he would be. And also, you know, the coaching staff is just really high on Harris. Um, he's been there for a few years now and I feel like he proved himself last year. And I know he you know had a bad pursuit angle on a long uh, touchdown by Robbie Anderson after Damon Arnett got beat on a double move, and everybody kind of paid attention to that. But uh, I just think people are being too quick to, to jump on some of these guys. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll take a while. I think, like you mentioned, there's no preseason. I think a lot of players it took a while to get used to the lack of a crowd and the fan noise. It's kind of a dead arena from everything I was told, and it's kind of a, yeah, you know, just sound totally different for these guys. They're not, not used to it. So I think, I'm not saying an excuse, but I think, you know, we'll see how these guys play the next couple of weeks. But like Deshaun, I'm not sure there's, there's an option right now. Jeff Heath can't, is not going to start. So I think if they bring somebody else in at some point, they have some money freed up now because they restructured Littleton's contract. So I know fans are going to get excited about Earl Thomas and those kind of names. But, you know, you can't rule those out. But I think at this point right now, you ride with Eric Harris in week two and week three and, and see what happens. I mean, he's not a, a high ceiling guy, but he's kind of a you know a high floor type. He's not going to make a Pro Bowl. He's not. He's but you know he's a guy. We've seen him have big games here and there. What the three picks against the Chargers? You know, he's a guy that I think they feel like they can rely on. Um, yes, there may be mistakes here and there. Um, he has worked hard and is pretty dependable, and they're gonna they're gonna roll with him even through a few errors here and there. Yeah, I mean, did he really have any other bad plays besides that? Long touchdown to Anderson where he took a bad angle. I feel like a lot of people are just basing this entire game off that one play. I mean, the recent history of Raider safety is like they see a safety give up a touchdown and they uh, they immediately have that knee-jerk reaction. I mean, everybody remembers, you know, Reggie Nelson just constantly getting burned on, on plays like that. So I think, that, I mean, that is your job as a safety is to not 
allow that to happen. So, like, you can say it's one bad play, but it is, you know, helping give up a touchdown. I alluded to it in the uh, in the mailbag I had today, but, man, Raider fans, you got a, a win on the road. You want to know. you got a you know, game coming up in Vegas, first game ever in Vegas. Everyone wants to talk about Eric Harris being terrible, Trent Brown, he hates football, he's going to quit in the team. I mean, John Green went conservative the second half. They didn't go for, I mean, yeah, 34 points. I mean, people I know are, are nervous and they're not used to success, but, man, enjoy the win a little bit. And before, Step I mean, on their throats. Come on. I mean, come on. But uh, whatever. I mean, I think we'll see, I mean, we'll see what happens. But there were enough positives in that game to not focus on the, uh, the negatives too much. Well, we have reached the Trent Brown portion of the mailbag. Um <laughs> Nice segue. That was good. <laughs> At least a third of the questions that we got here are Trent Brown related. So I'll kind of wrap two of them together in one. And then there's a, a second part of it that uh, we'll see if we get to. Are the rumors of frustration with Trent Brown real? That's from Jaden D again. And Chad G asked, how real is the concern with Trent Brown? I mean, there was a Lincoln Kennedy going on, you know, the Raiders radio. And I mean, Lincoln, for a team employee, a guy that does their, you know, radio broadcast, it never holds back, obviously. And basically questioned how much Trent Brown loves football. You can't completely dismiss that as the guy that basically works for the team, but I don't know. What do you think? I'll start off. I just think that Lincoln Kennedy, I think, is a difference this year because he's not in that tier two mode. He's not you know, on the bubble. He's kind of on the outside. So, like last year, he was in the sidelines. He, players definitely could talk to him. They could definitely face the music. Now, I kind of think he's kind of saying what he wants without any kind of any threat of repercussion or, or, or feedback. So, I think... I'm not sure he says this about Trent Brown. If Trent Brown walks by him with silent every Sunday, I think um, to me it's kind of a big step to say a guy doesn't love football anymore because he missed one. I know he had injuries last year, but he also played hurt a couple of weeks last year, and he played pretty well when he did play. So I understand the frustration. The guy's making $21 million. Then the Raiders are definitely frustrated. John Gruden, you can tell he's frustrated. I mean, you're paying the guy so much money, and he missed most of camp. And you could tell it was kind of a – erratic is like if he was going to practice or not and they didn't really know his status and you kind of felt maybe he was like not in a rush to get back on the field but again i'm sure he has reasons for that i mean he knows his body better than we do so i think i have to give him a little bit of benefit of doubt at this point it's been one week but uh to answer the question there has been there is frustration definitely uh, the coaches want him on the field and his injury is such that um there's some question marks about, you know, when he can get back on the field and if he can stay on the field. Yeah, I think it's an easy narrative to jump to as well because Brown kind of had that reputation before he signed with the Raiders. But, you know, unless there's some concrete evidence, it's just a big jump to me to say that a guy is purposely not playing games. I mean, especially when you talk about a calf injury because wh- why are teams typically cautious about people with calf injuries and Richard Sherman of the Niners just went on IR with a calf injury they're typically cautious when it's the calf you look at Kevin Durant a couple years ago because when there's something in the calf it can eventually lead down and and you worry about the Achilles so anytime it's calf related you kind of usually understand why you want to be cautious yeah also it's like there's a difference between being injured and hurt, right? Like if, I feel like if, if Trent was just banged up a little bit and he didn't want to go out there, then all right, that's one thing. But if a guy's injured and you don't really need to be questioning, you know, his drive to play a game. And I think, I mean, some of this, I think it's just frustration stemming over from last season, him, you know, missing the end of the season due to the pectoral injury. And when I wrote a story about him earlier this summer, like he was saying he could have potentially played through it if it seemed like the playoffs were still in view, which they kind of were. Um, so I think that comment kind of rubs some people the wrong way. So, and, you know, anytime a guy already has his money 
and there's a situation where he decides to play it safe. They're going to say he doesn't love the game and whatnot, but this is, he wants to get a, a second contract for one, a second big contract that you know, he wants to win with the Raiders and you know prove that he's caliber of tackle that you know they paid him to be. And so, and even for it to be one game into the season for guys to be jumping to that kind of conclusion is just kind of wild to me. All right, question here from Jeffrey H. It seems like the new weapons on offense allowed the Raiders to open up the passing game early, but that quickly seemed to die down, especially after Ruggs went down. Is this just natural in Gruden's offense, or is trust still being built by Carr with the wide receivers, or none of the above? This is just for the passing game. Overall, offense should focus on Jacobs. I think, especially like in the second half, I mean, on game one and drive, I broke it down on a story earlier this week for Tape Tuesday. I'm like, the Panthers were, were only rushing three. They had like five defensive backs out there. And they were all playing like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. It's like, okay, you want me to throw a deep pass into three safeties like down the field or Do it. this wide open underneath? <laughs> so the route, right? This guy's wide open right here. <laughs> like, I can just throw it here. And like, you see, Josh Jacobs breaks off a short pass for like 20 something yards. And then, Devontae Booker took a screen for a bunch of yards. And if guys are wide open, why do you want me to just force something and potentially throw an interception just to say that I'm being aggressive? Like, I don't I don't, I don't understand that. Phillip Rivers would just drop back and just close his eyes and launch the ball. I loved watching those games. He sounded like Derek Carr post-game. Honestly, I agree with that. Also, my sense was that Ruggs was kind of a decoy second half. I think he was playing with that banged-up knee, but I don't think he was really like a part of the game plan in the second half. If guys aren't open, like, what do you – you know what I mean? Like, there's like an assumption that I, I think part of it maybe just be on TV. Like, you can't always see the whole field at the same time. Like, you're not looking at it from the press box like we are all 22. And it's like, a, like a, fans may complain about a play. And it's like, yo, nobody was open. So it's just, I think some of the context gets left out sometimes. Don't say the word all 22 around Ted right now. <laughs> Very frustrating situation. Yo, have they, have they not put that out still? Is that still it's not still out? still not out. As of Wednesday afternoon, we're recording here. Still no, still no all twenty-two. And Ted is uh, is 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 about to burst a vein. I think they put a statement out. Actually, they said their engineers are having problems or something. So, like, how hard is it to upload film? They put a statement <laughs> out just because of you, I think. <laughs> all right, couple more questions here. Uh, Eric G, how much of an impact do you see not having Quitkowski out there? It seemed like he made a difference in the running game when he was out there. Can we trust the combination of Morrow and McMillan to get the job done? Quitkowski, I mean, he had the green dot. So he was, you know, making calls, leading the, the defense. And I think if another player were to get the green dot, it'd probably be McMillan. But, you know, he just got here. He's still learning the defense. I think it did make an impact when he... He left the game. Obviously, they'll have a little more time to practice and prepare without him this week. When he left the game, there was definitely a hole in the middle of the defense. I think even without Kwiatkowski, McMillan, just the, the way he is in the passing game, you probably don't want him out there three downs. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Moreau, when he was out there, he had that one play. I think he was defending uh, McCaffrey on the route and didn't get his head turned around and got an unnecessary P.I., kind of how... Uh... That's Christian McCaffrey, man. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, hey, you gotta, if you're not looking for the ball, I mean, the same thing that happened to our boy Whitehead on Earthrow later in the game. It's like, I don't know. Like, he might have some of the same issues, not to the same degree. I think they also just trust Moreau more because he's more comfortable in the system. Like, I don't think we saw all that much of Millen in that game, even in like obvious running situations. Like, he didn't jump out to me along with a few of the other new additions, but I think he might be somebody that's coming along a little bit more slowly. Yeah, he only played six plays, I think. So I think McMillan, you would have to imagine, is more in the plans for next week, I think, as a run stopper. But um, 
I think more, you know, more was definitely a challenge before. Yeah, I think he's fine. So, obviously, Kwiatkowski will be it's going to be a loss for, I'm guessing, a couple of weeks. But um, I think they could be able to be a band-aid it pretty good for a couple of weeks, and, and hopefully, uh, won't, won't get too bad. All right, final question from Guillermo. What surprised you most from the game? I'd say, I mean, only one target for Brian Edwards. You know, maybe that's Gruden wanting to, to really wanting to hide him, like Vic keeps saying. Um, but I was surprised that, you know, he was out there. I mean, like you wrote in the mailbag, Vic, he was out there a ton of snaps. I mean, he was basically out there every place. Well, 75% of the offensive snaps, 47 snaps, which led receivers. And he did a good job blocking. But it was surprising that you didn't target him more than once, I, w- I would say. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think we'll see this week. I'll be much more wide-open game in the passing game this week, probably. So you think we'll get some more work this week. Um, my answer would be uh, Jonathan Abram. I think um, he was just so active. And he played one game last year. He well, I guess one half last year. But it wasn't like this. I just thought he was all over the place. Definitely, um, to me, he looks a little bit smaller. I don't know if he's faster than he was last year. But he's looking... looking uh, no, it's a loose a, jersey. It's a loose jersey. Awesome loose jersey. Okay. <laughs> like, you can still you know, give a look and give a good hit. So I just think... Um, I was impressed by him. Obviously, he'll, he'll keep getting better. But for week one, I thought he was very active, definitely a difference maker. I think for me, it was uh, just how little I seemed to notice Malik Collins at the three technique. And then we've been hearing about him all camp, kind of being the focus of the defense and, you know, saying he would be the key to the defense being better this year. And I'm not saying he played bad or anything on Sunday, but I just didn't really notice him out there. Why you got to go negative? <laughs> And it said surprise. It didn't say good. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, actually. Uh, I just, you know, he had such a high pressure rate, one of the leaders in pressure rate last season, and he just didn't look like he got close to pressuring the quarterback on on Sunday. So, you know, hopefully he has a bounce-back effort against the Saints. They're going to need that. All righty, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this week's show. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun game for the Raiders on Monday. I mean, obviously for Vic, Deshaun, um, being there to check out that first game in Allegiant Stadium. It's not going to have the, the atmosphere that everybody expected when uh, they they got that place going, but uh, it will still be fun. I mean, it's still a fun matchup. I mean, Derek Carr versus Drew Brees, it's it's the battle of Josh DeBeau versus uh, McMurderer. I mean, it's... Uh, so that's really the uh, wow. the, the matchup that's on the line this week. <laughs> what, in the, what in the hell was that? Oh my! How could you end the show like that, Jimmy? Wow! We spent a whole off season listening to those guys bitch back and forth about Derek Carr and uh, and Drew Brees, and, and now they get to settle it on Monday night. Wow! I'm still I'm speechless. Oh. <laughs> I am still excited for the for the game. I mean, I covered my first NFL game last week, and even though it was empty in charlotte and it was a good game of course but i was excited for it i think my first monday night football game first home game in the stadium shit i'll be pretty pumped for it fans or not i was wondering could you hear the players could you hear the players from where you are not really i heard a couple audibles here and there but i think between the glass and the little like background noise that was supposed to be crowd noise and everybody talking and stuff i couldn't really hear them too clearly That'll be the cool thing for you guys this week is that you won't be behind glass. You'll be open air out there. That'll that'll make it a lot different, I think. This will be the first game I ever cover without fans. That's kind of, I mean, I know it sucks, but it's kind of cool in a way, in a, in a weird way. I'm kind of um, looking forward to just the whole, you know, uniqueness of it and the strangeness of it and just kind of a, embracing just this once in a, hopefully once in a lifetime season. All right, Raider fans. Well, uh, enjoy Monday night as best you can, even if you can't be in the stadium. Uh, should be a, a fun night uh, and uh We'll hope for better days ahead where you guys can actually hop in there, but uh should be a fun opener in Vegas. We got to do our picks, right? Yeah, let's make picks. What do you got, Vic? 
Should we call McMurder and ask him what his pick is? Get, get McMurderer's take. I'm it, picking, it's so early. It's so early in the week. I'm picking the Raiders wow. to, co- to cover the spread. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're plus six and a half, I believe. So I'm going to go with the Saints 38 to 35. Yeah, I don't have a score for you, but the Saints are going to win, I think. I think this is going to be a close game up until the fourth quarter. You know, Breeze is just not the same quarterback as he used to be, but just the defense didn't show en- enough in week one for me to believe that they can't shut him down, you know, for an entire four quarters. So I think it's going to be close. I agree with Vic. I think they'll cover the spread, but I think the Saints win this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the front seven that the, the Buccaneers have, and I can understand why a little bit, why, why Breeze and that offense struggled some. The Raiders don't have that same front seven. I don't see Breeze being pressured like he was uh, against Tampa, even though I think he was only sacked once, but felt like he was he was under a little bit more duress than, than I think the Raiders will put him under. So, I mean, I, th- I think the Raiders, and we've talked about the Saints' defense is good. I'm going to say like uh, somewhere in like the 28-25 range, uh, Saints win it. I think I was going to give you guys a, uh, our people who are Raider fans but still dabble in the fantasy sports. I think Traycon Smith is pretty good. The guy's going to take the place of Mal- uh, Michael Michael Thomas. I think he'll have a good game, so I think that might be a factor in this one, whereas they don't get to quite do the, the bump from Thomas's absence, people think. All right, we'll book it. Grab your fantasy picks, and uh, we will talk to you guys again post-game on Monday. It'll be late, so you'll probably not hear from us actually until Tuesday morning, but uh, we'll have a post-game show for you like we will every week. All right, Joe. All right, talk to you guys next week. Adios.